Hi, everybody, and welcome to Take a Deep Breath. Uh, today's breathcast is with Gray Cause. Uh, Gray Cause is one of the top instructors for the Oxygen Advantage, and he was my coach as I was qualifying to become an Oxygen Advantage instructor. He's known Patrick for, for many years, and in this podcast, breathcast, uh, what you're going to get is information about anaerobic versus aerobic, what the differences are there, stuff about the diaphragm and how we should be using that. We're going to talk about movement. We're going to talk about the intercostal muscles that are in between your ribs and how to how to open those all out. There's a lot of great information about breathing and health. So I recommend you stick through to the end. Um, thank you just uh, quickly to say big thank you for sticking with the podcast and breathcast. We really appreciate you being here. Uh, please leave us comments. Let us know what you'd like to see in the future. If you can afford to stick a couple of quid, a couple of bucks on Patreon, we really appreciate it. It helps keep the podcast going and uh, without further ado i'm going to hand over to me on the podcast <sighs> right uh, and good morning gray cause how are you doing today sir um, I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very good, thank you, mate. I'm so, I'm so glad we got to do this. For those uh, that don't know, uh, Gray has been my coach, mentor, instructor uh, for the Oxygen Advantage, uh, which I took a few months ago um, and passed. And, and Gray's been absolutely instrumental in, it, in helping me get through that. So first of all, I just want to say in front of everyone, thank you so much, mate, because it's been a pleasure to, to get to know you and, and to learn all your wisdom. And I'm hoping today we're going to be able to share some great uh, knowledge with the audience about the oxygen advantage, breathing, all, all that good stuff. But my first, uh, I guess, question is, would you mind just sharing with our audience just a bit about who you are? Yeah, sure. Um, um, I, I don't have any sort of like amazing backstory of how I got into health and fitness or, or breathing in particular. So I used to, um, at school, I'd enjoy cross-country running, but I wasn't really particularly sporty. So I didn't think I would move into the sort of health and fitness and sport industry. So at school, there's no way I would have imagined or even even 20 years ago, 15 years ago, imagined doing what I'm doing now. I got involved in running uh, back, I suppose it was 2004, beginning of the 2000s, because I was in my early 40s and I was thinking, I really need to make sure I'm fit and healthy by the time I'm 50. I just started up my own business, a graphic design business. So I wanted to make sure I kept well. Uh, and I joined a gym, first time I'd ever been to a gym. Uh, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> Got a personal trainer, went to the gym. And then that's when I was sort of um, reignited my uh, enjoyment in running because I was at the gym and I was like oh there's a treadmill let me go and have a little play on that so I remember I can clearly remember saying to the trainer oh show me how to use a treadmill show me how to run on the treadmill and getting actually quite excited about it mm -hmm. so all of my initial running was treadmill gym running so I'd run on the treadmill I really sort of started to enjoy that whole thing of what happens when you put a particular stress on your body and the improvement you got um, and just really got that joy from, from running. What I did notice is that I was running for time and running for speed. So, uh, and, and no fault of the trainers, but we would use running as a warm up. So it'd be like, right, let's run as fast as we And every warm up was try and get faster, see if you can do a mile quicker. And I started going, I'm not enjoying this. I started actually starting to think I'm, I'm dreading going to the gym. And I thought, this is no way to, to approach, approach it. So I started Googling. Or actually, I don't even know whether Google was on the go in 2004. <laughs> it most probably was. Um, but started re-looking on the internet and going, right, well, how, what, what, there must be some technique to, to running. And there was very little out there, actually. And what was out there was all quite conflicting land on the heel, land on the forefoot, do this with your arms, do that with your arms, lift your knee, don't lift your knee. And I found a technique, found the book Chi Running. So it's American Danny Dryer, this American guy. He was an ultra runner who was doing amazing things in terms of distance and speed, but constantly getting injured. And at the same time as he was running, doing his running and his ultra running, he was also practicing Tai Chi. 
And he was going, why is Tai Chi so relaxing and focused and energizing and running is almost like just pounding and, and crunching into the, into the ground. So it's a really simple idea of combining Tai Chi with Chi with running and he got Chi running. Mm. <laughs> it does what it says on the tin basically. So that was the first, one of the first books I read uh, on running technique. Mm. And it's quite American. So there's a very, obviously, because he's an American guy, it's written in, in a language uh, of, of, of sort of like an American style, which is great. Um, but there's a lot of stuff I took from that, which is, is just, it's just logical and quite simple, actually. So I started integrating some of the practices from that book into my running. This is a really long way around it. Tell me if I'm going on. No, it's great. But I started integrating some of the simple practices that, that Danny was describing in the book into my own practice and my own running and finding that it, uh, there was a way of running that wasn't hard work or it didn't have to be hard work. Uh, and actually, it was almost like a change of mindset of what running is all about, basically. Uh, and still today, this, this is what I'm teaching is actually quite often you don't have to change your technique. It's about changing your mind mm -hmm. on approach to what you think exercise is. And we can, mm -hmm. we can talk a little bit more about that uh, sure as we go through. Mm -hmm. So um, with the Chi running practice, I found I was enjoying my running more. I wasn't getting injured. Uh, uh, I wasn't feeling overstressed by the running. I, I could challenge myself, but not to an extent that it, I didn't enjoy it. So it became a, an enjoyable, pleasurable practice rather than, oh my God, I've got to go and do my exercise. So to cut a long story short, I, I changed careers back in 2012. So I was a graphic designer. I was working for myself, um, which was an easy way to change career or sort an easier way to change career. Uh, back in 2010, back in 2010, I did a workshop with Danny and then I was like, I want to teach this because this really made a difference to me personally, not just in my, in my, my running and my exercise and my health, but also actually in the way that it, it almost changed my, it all sounds a bit naff, but it changes your approach to life in a way. So it's not just about health, it's about well-being uh, as well. So I was like, I want to I share this with other people because it has helped me a, a, a great deal. So I, long story short, I had no background in health and fitness. So I did a part-time personal training course. Uh, so I understood a little bit about anatomy and physiology and how to teach exercise. I'd worked a lot with a personal trainer, so I, and I still use that personal trainer. And actually that personal trainer now works, Luke now works under my umbrella. So we've been together since back in 2000 actually he wasn't my first personal trainer um so i thought i need that understanding of movement of anatomy how to teach movement uh so i did the personal training course i then did the chi running instructor training course uh went over to berlin I had a fabulous time mm -hmm. learning chi running technique and how to teach that then it was a great advantage for me because I was working for myself. So I ended up, I thought, right, well, let's see which way career path takes me. So I was doing a bit of graphic design and then going out and training clients and a bit of graphic design. But I think my, my, my heart and my intention went towards a, the, the teaching of the, the, the running technique and the health and the fitness. Uh, so it sort of steered that way. Uh, and then in, I think it was about 2014, Chi Running in the States, so it's, it's, it's a worldwide company, decided to create regions. Mm. So they were like, let's have Australia, <laughs> let's have Spain, let's have the Netherlands, and let's have the UK and Ireland. So they created regions because obviously the way the UK teach or, or the, the, the culture in the UK is different to the culture in, in Spain, is different to the culture in Australia, is different to the culture in America. So they just wanted to, to, to home in on how we could best deliver 
the chi running practice in, in those regions. So I became sort of like the, the director of, of UK and Ireland. And this is how I then met Patrick, because Patrick McEwen, Oxygen Advantage, Pateco, was starting his development of the Oxygen Advantage 2014-15. He was developing that from Bateco and he was in touch with Danny. So Danny Dreyer in the States because he had heard of Danny, he'd seen what Danny was doing with Chi Running. Uh, Patrick liked the model of how Chi Running was working and was saying to Danny, look, if you incorporate the Oxygen Advantage with your running technique, guess what's going to happen? Uh, and because Danny was in the States and Patrick was in Ireland, Danny then put me in contact with Patrick and said, look, speak to Gray, he's in the UK, um, perhaps you can arrange something uh, over there. Uh, and I can still remember the phone call with Patrick, so I was in the coffee shop opposite the studio I was working at, and I was like, who's this guy? <laughs> What's he talking about breathing? And he was like, oh yeah, so we arranged a, a workshop, like a masterclass, which we still sort of do now um in in london so patrick came over and we did a one-day masterclass in in the studio i was working out of um and a lot of the my clients came along a lot of people who'd had a potato came along because this was before oxygen advantage was really well known mm -hmm. i think the book had just come out and we did the masterclass worked really really well and then from there, Patrick was like, right, we're going to develop instructors. So I did the first instructor training with Patrick. I was like, I've got to be an instructor. So I did the first instructor training with Patrick in Galway. He's got a stunning place in Galway. I think there's about eight of us, maybe six of us who went along for this first training. A couple of other chi running coaches in the Netherlands, Marion and Ants, who are really close friends and colleagues, did the training over there and really... They've, they opened up the development of the Oxygen Advantage in the Netherlands. Mar um, Marion translated the book and got all the book translated over there for, for Patrick. Um, so that's how I got into the Oxygen Advantage practice and how I got into teaching the Oxygen Advantage as well. That's a really long <laughs> explanation, but hopefully gives you some ideas of how I, how I got into it. So there was no like major injury or I've got back from injury from this or I, I wasn't suffering asthma or anything but I'm just normal middle-aged person hoping to get keeping fit and well uh, and and to enjoy what I'm doing in terms of exercise and movement really. Mm. Oh, do you know it's, it's so interesting because I didn't know half of uh, half of that story we, and we spent yeah. hours uh, talking together um, so oh, I, I didn't know you're a graphic designer although I would have tapped you up some advice on some stuff as well by <laughs> now if I'd known that <laughs> um, okay so what would be really useful I think is could you explain for people a bit about uh, Bateco and because yep. you're you're a Bateco practitioner Right? Yes, yeah. and you're you're not only an oxygen advantage instructor, you're you're actually supporting new oxygen advantage instructors. So you know you're you're, yeah. you're one of the top guys there. Um, so could you explain just a little bit about the difference between those two? Because that, that I see that a lot on forums. People are very confused. Oh, this is Bateco, or this is Wim Hof. But if we stick maybe between sure. Bateco and oxygen advantage, what are what are the differences? What are they? The very little actually. Um, I did Oxygen Advantage first, so I'd not, when, when I went into the Oxygen Advantage, I went into it from a running uh, or, a, or a sports or an exercise per, uh, performance angle. So I did all of my instructor training first for the Oxygen Advantage, so that's how I learned the core of the practice. But I knew Patrick had developed the Oxygen Advantage from the Bateco uh, breathing method. So Bateco was uh, a Ukrainian doctor back in, in, in the 50s, I think it was. And he, he realized that with a lot of his patients, a lot, he saw that perhaps a lot of underlying uh, uh, issues, men, uh, health issues were caused by overbreathing. So just breathing too much air. Uh, and this is one of the things, again, when we're teaching this is when you say to someone, look, you can overbreathe, they go, what? If I need more oxygen, I breathe in more air. It's like, it's not as simple as that. Yes, if you breathe in more air, you'll get more oxygen, but it's not as simple as that. So that was the, the basis of Bateco. Um, and a lot of the Bateco practice was about reducing the breathing, reducing the volume of air, using a lot of strong breath holds to bring 
the body back to balance to actually balance the co2 balance the carbon dioxide and balance the the oxygen levels because the the underlying uh, idea behind that is that look at the biochemistry of breath which is often missed uh, and then patrick uh worked with potato because patrick suffered terribly from asthma and was hospitalized and was on inhalers and everything. And he, did, he came across Pateco and went to practice with Pateco and then to study with Pateco because it made such a difference to his life and to his asthma. And now he doesn't use inhalers or anything. And it was the simple practice of firstly realizing no one had ever told him just to breathe through the nose. Mm. Simple as that. He'd gone through all of these tests and everything and asthma tests but nobody just said actually just start off quite simply by just closing your mouth and breathing through the nose as simple as that so he changed that and then he had practiced the idea of big deep breaths or deep breaths but taking big volumes of air Mm. so everybody taking a deep breath was he was taking a big breath instead of a Mm. deep breath Mm. um so again, Pateco is reducing the volume uh, and focusing on predominantly nasal breathing. What Patrick then discovered is this works perfectly for patients um, because people who are coming to Pateco tend to be people perhaps with asthma, rhinitis, CPOD, so uh, a health issue. Uh, and the benefits you get from the potato teaching or the, or the reduced breathing teaching are massive. Um, and Patrick realized that actually not only will this method work for patients or people who have got health issues, it's going to work in general for people in everyday life just to improve their any dysfunctional breathing. But also if he could find um, studies that backed up the fact that it can help improve your sports performance. So the oxygen advantage focuses more on functional breathing as one element of it, and then sports performance as the cherry on the top. Whereas Bateco focuses more on the functional breathing and the health, physical and mental health issues mm. or aspects of it. Bateco will, um, that's Bateco. So oxygen advantage will build on those physical and mental health issues with the sports performance issues. So that, mm. that's the difference. But actually, the exercises that we learn in Bateco are basically the exercises that we teach in, in, in the functional element of the oxygen mm. advantage. It's very little different. Mm. And if I'm teaching both or either, it's, it's just a really subtle difference. It's almost like a subtle difference in the approach to the client rather than the technique. Yeah. Uh, we're teaching mm. so with Bateco you tend to get as I say more patients uh, and with with oxygen range you get more clients but you get quite a few people who are coming to the sports performance element and you actually say forget about that for the minute you've really got to work on your functional breathing first yeah and actually the other way around you get a lot of people who are coming from the 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 background of Bateco but actually if you just give them a little teaspoon of that sports performance it actually gives them a little bit more confidence think I can move I can do a little walk run so that will help in in their their um uh health issues as well Mm. I, I remember so there's very little difference, oh, sorry, there's very little difference. yeah I, I I think yeah when I spoke to Patrick about this is like you know you you it was quite rare you'd get really healthy people in the potato it's people that wanted to get healthy whereas it tends to the oxygen advantage tends to draw more people that are athletic or, or, or want to be athletic yeah. and i think it was a real mind blow for me when um i think it was you that said you know you, you sort of taken 25 to thirty-five thousand breaths a day and if they're wrong you know let's 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 focus on that first before we start doing all the sexy stuff that sits on top and that, yeah. that you know that that really blew my mind thinking well that's that's millions of breaths a year isn't it and if they're all wrong you're over breathing whatever it is mouth breathing we need, we need to fix that first um one thing i'm really curious to know um how does uh breathing light or potato or you know whatever derivative how does that help stop problems with asthma I think, again, from a potato point of view, unless you are a medical practitioner, 
we're not medical practitioners. So the first thing I would say is if someone has asthma, then obviously they continue with the, any medication that the GP is giving them or their consultant is giving them. So it's, it's not a cure-all. But what it will do is if you think from the point of view of asthma, mm. it's, it's almost like that uh, metabolic acidosis where you actually start to take bigger breaths. And when you get into that cycle of taking bigger breaths, trying to get more air into the body, then the body goes into fight or flight. So it's like that vicious circle. Mm -hmm. So what, what I find really interesting is a lot of clients will come to me and not necessarily, I do more oxygen advantage than Bateco, but I'll get quite a few runners will come to me and say, oh, I've been told I have asthma or I've tested for asthma or they think I might have asthma. So this is quite common. And I'm like, well, why do they think you might have asthma? And Again, this is just anecdotal, but I think a lot of the time, the idea of asthma, I know some people will suffer from serious asthma and serious allergies, and somebody like Patrick is, is better at answering that question mm. than I am. But from, from the point of view of the clients I've worked with, particularly with like um, exercise-induced asthma, it has literally been that they've been over-breathing. So it has constricted the airways, so if you, if you get rid of too much CO2, your airways will constrict. If you're breathing through the mouth, you're missing out on all of this nasal nitric oxide. Nasal nitric oxide, which you breathe in through the nose, will help open up the airways. So from an, and again, if from an exercise-induced asthma point of view, if they've just over-breathed for the past hour and pushed themselves too much trying to run up hills and not got the right balance of aerobic and anaerobic practice, and they've been breathing in cold air or breathing in car fumes, then it's going to create that sense of asthma uh, and, and actually get them over breathing and get them into that vicious circle. Mm. So from, from the point of view of the experience I've had with clients, by slowing the breath, by closing the mouth, so you're breathing in all of this nasal nitric oxide, which helps, helps open up the airways, by slowing the breath and getting the balance of CO2 right, by little breath holds, which will build up the levels of CO2. CO2, and this is all, this is all research, CO2 will help open up the airways because it relaxes smooth muscle, airways smooth muscle. Mm -hmm. So getting that little bit of buildup of CO2 will relax the smooth muscle. It will help open up the airways. It will also bring your levels back to balance and it will help calm the situation if you like yeah as i say if, if you're working with someone who's got severe allergies or severe, severe asthma it, it it might be slightly different and as i say that's what we will always say is we're we're not we're not medical practitioners mm -hmm. but if if it, if it can help and in my experience with the clients i've worked with worked with a number of people with exercise-induced asthma who say they have exercise-induced asthma uh, and it has made a massive difference. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. It's that piece, isn't it, around let's use the power of the nose. Um, let's yes. use what it's designed for. Let's get that mouth yes. shut. Um, yeah. And I know some people struggle with that. Why do we think so many people mouth breathe? I don't know. And it's, it's interesting as well because... I thought we've talked about this before is it, it's not as black and white as I'm a nasal breather. I'm a mouth breather. It's not as black as white as I'm just a functional breather. I'm a functional breather. So there's always going to be those bits in between. Mm -hmm. And we can actually, the, the, this is interesting because we can actually cause more. Sometimes we can cause more issues with, the idea of saying you have to breathe through the nose. And I've seen this as well with clients who've gone to sort of like really high intensity exercise, trying to breathe through the nose, which actually is then overstressing the body in the wrong way that way. Uh, so there's nothing wrong in breathing out through the mouth or breathing through the mouth. It's how it's done and when it's done. So if I'm exercising, I'm... <sighs> and I'm deflating, and I'm out of control of the breath, that's where I see there's, there's, that's where there's issues, and we've got to be in control of the breath. If I'm nasal breathing, but sniffing in, going, oh, this is great, I'm nasal breathing, and I've got my mouth closed, 
but you've got your you've got your jaw clenched and you're sniffing air in through the nose look i'm nasal breathing and i'm doing really well because this is great for me that i'd rather you have your mouth open mm. so i think that's that's one of the points that i really put across it's much more new nuanced than i'm a chest breather i'm a diaphragmatic breather i'm a nasal breather i'm a mouth breather don't judge we don't judge i don't judge clients because if you judge yourself as a mouth breather Yes. You'll take on all those traits that a mouth breather, you think a mouth breather should have. Um, that's a bit of a long way around. I think one of the reasons why, and again, I'm not a scientist, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a, a GP or anything, but if you look at how perhaps food, processed food, because it's, it's the, the breath is the, way, is the quickest way for your body to balance its pH levels. So if, if our body becomes a little bit more acidic, then we tend to, to breathe a little bit faster uh, to get rid of, to, to bring ourselves back to balance. Now, what could make the body acidic? It could be because you're breathing faster or because you're breathing slower uh, that your body becomes acidic. It could be food. It could be hormones. It could be temperature. So all of these are things affect your breath rate. And what tends to happen is the brain sets itself to the most common pattern of breathing. So if we're eating a lot of processed foods, perhaps, this is just, just, this is just a perhaps, I'm not saying this is what happens. If we're eating a lot of processed foods, we're not sleeping as, as, as well as we should be. We've got heightened stress levels because of work, because of relationships, because of COVID. All of these things feed into how emotion affects mm. our breath and then our brain sort of resets itself at that level of breathing mm. so i think just what you do you breathe from how you behave throughout the day so if you if you if you're at constant stress levels or even just mild stress levels it doesn't have to be like i'm really really stressed there's a lot of things going on in our lives that are, are not natural phones pinging and all of these things we live in a sort of like society of heightened chronic stress levels so that will increase the breath rate um, diseases so diabetes things like that will increase the breath rate uh, posture if you if you if you're on the phone a lot of the time and the head pushes forward you're more likely to open the mouth breathe through the mouth mm -hmm. um, just watching if your parents we're mouth breathing through the mouth a lot. You, you, as a child, you learn so much. You learn so much from a postural point of view, from uh, from watching other people. So we, oh, it's genetic that my I walk like this or my pelvis is tilted. But actually, it might not be genetic. It might be because that's the way you learn to walk from your parents. So just learning that learning experience uh, as a, as a child can help can make you be more uh, mouth breathing. Mm -hmm. um, there was one other thing I was going to say and I forgot what I was going to say chewing as well because we don't chew and eat so with the jaw actually uh, like you, you look back at the skulls from centuries ago the jaw the shape of the jaw has changed if the shape of the jaw changes that will affect you more to actually have to breathe through the mouth than breathe through the nose so just that whole hacking off a piece of meat or if you're vegetarian hacking off a root or whatever of what we would have done because even now all, all of the all of the um healthy foods the smoothies and everything there's no chewing so i think that has a big effect baby food it's all it's all mushed up so i'm not saying i know to i'm not know to feed children but you know what i mean it's like it, we, things are made easy for us from, from an eating point of view when maybe we should be really working the jaw muscles and then that would give us more space in the nasal cavity to actually then breathe comfortably uh, through the nose. And the other thing is, from an exercise point of view, we taught it a lot of the time, is to big breath in, breathe out through the mouth, big breath in, breathe out through the mouth. And all I would say when that is the case is why. Ask, ask your coach why and, and let them answer that question. Because yes, if you go into a higher intensity exercise, breathe out through the mouth because you need to blow off that excess CO2. But if you're doing the majority of your training, which you should be doing at an aerobic intensity, there should be no need 
to breathe out through the mouth. You should be able to comfortably breathe in and out through the nose. And that's just logic. That's, that's just obvious. And if you look at the good exercise coaches and look at the coaches, look at the training programs that say, I, I say from a running point of view, uh, because I, I work with runners mainly, uh, most of your runs should be aerobic. And you just say to people, aerobic means with oxygen. So if I can balance my oxygen and CO2, I shouldn't need to be blowing off loads and loads of air or gasping for air. That means I'm not balancing. So I think the way we are taught exercise, dare I say it, I'll get mm. not shot down for this <laughs> in the fitness industry. Quite often we don't pay enough attention to, attention to the breath. Uh, and we don't really look at what is going on bio, uh, biochemically. We look at look quite a bit at the biomechanics, use the diaphragm, breathing muscles, uh, other breathing muscles, what's going on and everything like that. But we don't look at the biochemistry. That's another really long answer to your question. No, that, was, that was really good. And yeah, I, what I love about people, speaking to people like you, Patrick, James, Nestor, is because breathwork is still very much an emerging field, there is still a lot of unknowns around it. Yeah. But I also really like what you said there around there's not really any absolutes for some people actually mouth breathing might be the right thing for them at the right time and for some people it might be a case of just shut your mouth and do the nose breathing and there might be yeah. something in between uh, and i was recently talking to um uh, another breathing specialist in america and um she was very much about diaphragmatic breathing functional breathing she's like right we need to focus on on that piece as well so there's so many elements of of the breath and, and how the yeah. respiratory system works it it I think you have to be aware of people going, no, no, you just do it this one way. Because I think, well, actually, there's, there's yeah. so many nuances, isn't there, of what's going yeah. on. The other thing you said, which was terrifying, which is we mimic our parents. And you just made me thinking, oh, my God, everyone's like this now with the, you know, the devices. What must children today be mimicking if we're all just stuck staring at these? So that, that, yeah. you, just, you just scared the bejesus out of me there a little bit. Um, <laughs> um, could you explain a bit about anaerobic, aerobic? What are they? Right. What are the differences? That'd be really useful. To keep it as simple as possible, aerobic means with oxygen. So it, it's if you're thinking of exercise uh, and say running, or if say if you're doing some press ups or pushes or kettlebell swings or whatever, then it just means almost like endurance training. So it's keeping your levels balanced. Mm -hmm. So with aerobic, you are getting the right amount of oxygen right amount of co2 you're getting rid of enough co2 so you're just blowing off the co2 that you need to blow off so you can sustain a long period of time so if you're going out for a long walk or if you go out for a run and your your intention is that i'm going to run for four hours or i'm going to move for four hours then you wouldn't go out right i'm going to get out of breath and i'm going to race so that that is a, a, aerobic training so it just means that the, the cell, the respiration in the cell is taking oxygen uh, and it's giving off CO2, it's giving off water. So CO2 and water are the, are the, are the um, waste. I hate using the word waste, but that is then is what is blown out through the lungs. So that's when you should be able to breathe pretty easy. Anaerobic is when you, aren't, you don't get enough oxygen uh, delivered to the muscles or to the cells. And that's done intentionally in training so if you are doing high intensity training, it's a deliberate stress on the body because it, the more you can tra train your body to get used to anaerobic or high intensity, then that will help build your aerobic capacity as well. So anaerobic just means that your body is using oxygen quicker than it can get oxygen delivered to the cells. I suppose that's, that's the easiest way of putting mm -hmm. it, is that oxygen is being delivered and you're not getting enough oxygen to the cells uh, as, as quickly as you can be. It's almost like if you put your foot down on an accelerator, if you do it really slowly on a car, you almost, you're delivering just the right amount of fuel and the engine's ticking over nice and smoothly. You whack the foot down and you might only get a little burst of energy uh, uh, from that, that intensity. Uh, that's the, I mean, obviously there's a lot of other technical stuff going on there, but that's, that's the simplest way of explaining it. So if you're looking at training, there's, there's different types of training. 
the first element of training of, of any training is your endurance. So that's your foundation. And then you can add strength to that. So once you're comfortable in endurance, uh, from a structural point of view, you can then strengthen the muscles, the body. And then that's when you add the power on top of that. And what tends to happen is somebody just goes, all oh, right, well, I'm just going to go and do my 30-minute HIIT training or my 15-minute HIIT training. But we haven't done the endurance. You haven't done the hard work or you haven't done the strength. Oh, guess what? We're going to get injured. <laughs> and then if you're doing your HIIT training and you're only doing more anaerobic elements of the training and you're over-breathing in everyday life, you're just going to overstress the cardiovascular system. So from a fitness point of view, you can actually simulate anaerobic glycolysis is the technical term is you can simulate that type of anaerobic training with the breath hold. Because again, if you think logically what is happening, if you hold the breath after a normal breath in and a normal breath out, you're reducing oxygen. So you're not getting oxygen delivered because you're not replenishing the oxygen and you're building up the CO2. So that is stressing the cardiovascular system in a very similar way to your high intensity training, because when you're doing high intensity training, I have to sprint 100 meters, 40 minute meters, that's really flat out, out high intensity training. Obviously your, your body is not taking in oxygen quick enough to deliver it to the, to, the, to the cells and to the muscles. And at the same time, you're having to blow off that CO2, which is why you get out of breath. But the problem with that is the majority of us are not conditioned. So our structure, our chassis, our body isn't sufficiently conditioned to take that stress and strain. So, whoa, I hurt my knee or I hurt my hip. Uh, and, and that's where a lot of injury kicks in, particularly with runners, because they think, I'll do my high intensity stuff, I'll go and do my hills, I'll go and do my interval training. But they won they haven't got that really good foundation of breathing and posture. So for, if you think of Tai Chi and Chi, any sort of like Chi practice, key elements are breathing, posture, and movement with the breath. That, that's your foundation. We don't tend to focus on that. We tend to go, on, right, let's do our high intensity stuff. So it, it all has its place, um, obviously, um, but it's in what proportion we do that training and in general i'm talking in general i'm out running this morning actually it's very it, it rained today there's nobody out all the wimps inside <laughs> but you you watch people running in general everybody's at sort of like that middle intensity out of breath a little bit and that's not really improving their overall training effect or their overall fitness effect yeah, so it's about intention then, isn't it? It's not that anaerobic is bad, aerobic is good. It's no. where, where are we trying to get to? Um, yeah. And I remember, you know, it was always, right, let's go out for a run. My mouth would be open within seconds. <gasps> Never even considered there was a different way of doing it because I thought, well, that's what the mouth is for when, when you're running. And yeah. I think it was in one of our conversations, um, I think you said something like, and please correct me, it was like, go for a run, but use your nose and let that kind of dictate your pace. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's what I've started to do. So I'm not going crazy. I'm just running around the park. And the minute that I feel like, oh, I probably could switch to mouth now, I'll, I'll just kind of keep that pace. Uh, and for me, that's just me because I've not ran for years properly because of back injury. Yeah. So for me, it's just building the back up where probably if I hadn't spoken to you, hadn't done these courses, hadn't had these conversations, I've gone back to what I was doing before, just, just running for the hell of it as quick yeah. as I thought I could. And then back into injury again, my backs would spat, my back would spasm and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So that, that was a real game changer for me, this piece around shut the mouth, do it. But I, I do like this piece as well around, no, no, intentionally you might want to go anaerobic and that's going to help the aerobic side of things, but it's dictating yeah. where, and I think it was in James Nestor, Joe Rogan. He's like, you go into the gym, you look around and everyone's just got their mouths open. They're just running and they're not consciously choosing one thing or the other. They're just kind of going yeah. with this. It's poor behavior. So no, no, really interesting. Um, can you talk a bit more about posture? Because that, that's something that's really close to my heart, something I've had problems for years with. And how is the posture affecting breathing? Yeah, that is a really good point. Just to go quickly back onto that mm. anaerobic aerobic, again, again it's, it's not as black and white. So there's always going to be an element of both. So actually, when you start to run, 
it might be a little bit more anaerobic. So it's not that you're only using one system and then you're using another system. So they do combine. It's, mm-hmm. just, the, it's just the emphasis of what system you're working. But you're quite right. In There's a really good book by Matt Fitzgerald called 80-20 Training. And he says that the, the, you, you should be follow the breath. Uh, he doesn't talk about nasal breathing. That's a bit it misses out, I think. I might be wrong on that. But follow the breath because then your body isn't in fight or flight. But we tend to go out and exercise in fight or flight. You want that balance. You want the balance. Mm-hmm. And that also ties in with posture because if, if for example, there was a, a, a situation where it was fight or flight, your body would go, right, I will do whatever I can to survive this situation. So if, if there's, a, there's a loud bang or if, there's, if you've been chased by a saber-toothed tiger, you won't go, oh, I need to breathe in and out through the nose and I'll take a nice gentle run with a nice light quick cadence down the road. You go, shit, what's going on? Run. And that's, that's right because that's what our body is designed to do. So that is what is fight or flight is there for our survival. But what we don't want to do is spend our marathon or half marathon or even 5K in fight or flight because our body will just go, how do I survive this movement? And we don't want to be thinking, how do I survive this movement? Because the body will just do whatever it needs to to survive that movement. Uh, Posture is such a difficult one because this comes to the point of what I've learned as a coach is coaching cues are so important and mean different things to different people. So if I say to you, stand up straight or stand in good posture or sit in good posture, that might give you a complete, you might interpret that completely different to someone else. So I actually don't write the word posture in a way. Uh, I know a lot of Alexander Techniques teachers use the word poise, which I think is nice. Because to me, posture suggests, right, sit up straight. I have to have good posture. I've got to pull my tummy in and I've got to have my head balanced on top of the spine. And then I'll start breathing like this and exercising like this. And that's not what we want. So actually slouching for a bit is not bad posture. It's if I'm like this for the rest of the day, <laughs> I could quite easily sit like that for the rest of the day. But the, I, there's, a, there's a biomechanics coach called Katie Bowman, and she writes some really sensible, clever stuff that just says, fixing a posture can be actually detrimental to your health. So I've seen quite a few people who've practiced other posture techniques who've actually created more rigidity in the body than they need. Mm. And again, that can come from a physical point of view. Oh, I need to, I need to flatten my tummy. So I've got good, strong abs uh, and I need to do all of these ab crunches to get the six pack. Uh, actually doing loads and loads of ab crunches isn't great for the body because you're just constantly putting your body into flexion. And if we're in flexion a lot of the time like this, and then doing this, mm. you're actually just going to create, flexion so you can actually strengthen the wrong patterns and the wrong muscular chains or the muscular sling systems so again from a teaching point of view from the breathing point of view from the running point of view i i I keep it as simple as possible for clients so rather than posture i use the idea of balance and there's a really simple way again from tai chi qigong of looking at centers of gravity of the body. So if you think quite logically, if you're standing, your pelvis is a really heavy area. So you want to make sure that the center of gravity of your pelvis in a standing position is balanced over the, over the ground. It's a bit like a table leg. You don't want a wonky table leg. So if you've got everything set on top of the table, you want whatever's on top of that table in the, balanced in the center. So your center of gravity of your pelvis and then coming up the body, the next heaviest part is the rib cage, the torso. You've got your lungs, you've got your diaphragm, you've got your heart, you've got all your liver and all your organs dangling down there. So just get your center of gravity of the rib cage balanced over the pelvis. And then the head is quite heavy. So just get the center of gravity of your head balanced mm. over the center of gravity of your rib cage, over the center of gravity of your pelvis. And for me, 
I have found that 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 the simplest way for people to understand stand up straight because it's then about balance it's where how do I just balance these because there's going to be movement so we want to create strength through that vertical axis if you like but at the same time you want to let go or you want softness in the body where you don't need to be holding tension and that is the whole idea of chi sort of like that yin and the yang it's how your how your strength is counterbalanced by your softness and our softness will will encourage and help and, and and nurture strength if we survive a movement we just go lock everything up do what we can um and obviously i'm not a posture expert so you could go to a good osteopath and they will really work on pelvic alignment uh, and structure of the rib cage and actually getting the rib cage moving uh, and if the neck muscles are tight, you can have some good manual therapy on, on, on rebalancing the body because our posture is affected by how we breathe, how we live, how old we are, because obviously the older we are, the more we've been affected by gravity. Um, so it is quite complex. Well, it's very complex. And that's why I think the easiest way and what I found works with people is just giving them those ideas of the three centers of gravity. Because then what you're also doing from a breath point of view, guess what you're doing? You're balancing your respiratory diaphragm over your pelvic floor. You're balancing your neck fascia, that vertical fascia through the neck, vertical fascia through the head. So you've got almost like these containers mm -hmm. or these units down the body so that when you're, when you're moving, they're all, they're all sort of like working like a, um, our accordion or something like that. So they're working together because if our respiratory diaphragm is in the wrong place, so tip, I just can show you this because this is really um, what tends to happen when we say stand up straight is that we'll push, oh, push the rib cage yes. out like that. Now, if you, if you do that, one, you've got all that compression in your lower back, like, oh yeah, I can really feel that tension in my lower back. But also your respiratory diaphragm, there's no space for it to move down a little bit more and importantly come back up to its resting position. Whereas when you keep the ribs in the body, now you can see my oxygen advantage. <laughs> when you keep the ribs in the body there, then actually your diaphragm, you can feel that diaphragm contracting. You can feel the ribs just floating out to the side. And you can also help where this arrow goes the breath come back out and bring the diaphragm back up to a, its, its resting posture. Really great. Very, very interesting. And I think um, for me, posture is something I've suffered with for a long period of time. And uh, you're right, just having that, I, I think uh, I saw this video once where somebody says, just hold a bowling ball and just start to push it away and you'll start to feel the strain on your arm. Do you think, well, when, you, when your neck is, is forward, suddenly yeah. it's not balanced and then suddenly all these muscles are kind of having to hold the head which is quite heavy and you know you just get that alignment but you're right for me it's always been sit up straight suck your stomach in good posture army posture whatever you know whatever we've, we've been brought to, yeah. brought up to think um so recently i've come across the the concept of uh it's quite obvious when you say it but stomach sucking so i've always had a bit of a belly and um probably since the age of 18 um so it's so 20 years i'm like oh just need to suck that suck that stomach in because you know it looks better and uh you know means i don't need to probably go to the gym as hard next week so uh <laughs> so that's been going on and then recently i've been aware of that concept so so you know i went through the oxygen advantage program I, I've, I've tried many breathing exercises i'm using the stomach where i can but similar to uh, oxygen advantage, which is let's talk about those 25 to 35,000 breaths a day. So when I'm doing breathing exercises, I'm, I'm more in the zone, more thinking about everything. But what I've noticed over the last week or so is when I'm in my normal business as usual breathing mentality, where I'm just doing breathing, um, that I'm not doing, I'm not doing a practice. I'm not doing those, you know, uh, any breath holds. I'm not doing Wim Hof breathing, not doing any of that sort of stuff. I'm just doing my normal breathing throughout my day. I go back into that 
stomach suck because there's 20 mm. years of conditioning there. Yeah. Is there any advice you can give on how to kind of break that conditioning and how to get that diaphragm moving on those normal 25,000 breaths? Any thoughts? Um, again, I'm going to say that it's not as black and white and that because the diaphragm will move. I don't think you could ever breathe not using the diaphragm. Uh, and I think we've talked about this before. It's not just upper chest and diaphragmatic breathing or belly breathing, because the, these terms can give people the wrong idea. So we actually don't want the belly to be breathing. And actually, if you're in a sitting posture, or if you're in a, I won't use that word posture, if you're sitting, if you're standing, if you're exercising, if you're moving, if you're cleaning your teeth, if you're, if you're cooking, then there has to be a certain amount of stabilization in, in those core, in those abdominal muscles, because there's, there's, there's no bone or anything in the front of the body. So there needs to be a, a responsive action of these core muscles to your functional movement. And that's where the idea of movement with the breath comes into it. So the more you practice your functional movement exercises, the more your core, in inverted commas, because we could have a whole work conversation on what the core means, but the whole your musculature of the abdominals, the TVA, will respond to your movement. So if you're, if you're reaching out to pick up your phone, I'm not expecting your belly to be completely floppy because there needs to be some stabilization. But if you're reaching out and picking up your phone, you don't want to be pulling your belly in. And, and that's interesting because that's, your mind knows how heavy that phone is. Mm. It should know what response your core needs to picking up the phone. If there's a 20 kilogram kettlebell down there, you'd have a, a more of a, an engagement and more of a response because your mind should be telling you there's a 20 kilogram kettlebell down there. It's interesting when you think you're going to pick up something heavy and it's not heavy, or you think you're going to pick up something that's light that is heavy. That's a really good way to see whether your core is a responsive rather than just everything held together. But what I would say if you want to get out, and I know what you mean because we all have this just from an aesthetic point of view is we don't want to be sat there with our belly hanging out. But at the same time, we don't want just to let the belly go because there needs to be some some uh, stabilization there mm. is the amount so what what you can do is i will do things like just check in with the breath or just that idea of the ribs expanding to the side laterally and also across the back because that way you can feel almost like the belly relaxing a little bit because it doesn't all have to be done at the front and again, the, coming back to really simple focuses, Tai Chi, Qigong, the idea of a point, that center of gravity of the pelvis in Tai Chi is called a lower Dan Chen. And uh, in, in Tai Chi, Qigong, that's seen as the physical energy center. Mm -hmm. And if you just center yourself and just focus on that lower Dan Chen, there's almost like a reaction when you've practiced your breathing technique, when you've practiced your functional movement, that is almost like a point where you can feel that stabilization without over-tightening the abdominal muscles. Now, if you're going from an exercise point of view, if you are using going for strength or going for power, you will need to use those abdominal muscles, particularly the upper abdominal muscles, to actually you make a, a active breath out. So again, where that arrow is, you're almost pulling the diaphragm up. So you're using your abdominals to allow the breath to come out, to help the breath. Sorry, somebody's pinging me. I should turn that phone off. You're using your, you can use your abdominal muscles to let the breath come out. Mm. So there, on an out breath, if you're doing intensive exercise or if you're swinging a kettlebell or if you're throwing a punch, you use your abdominals to pull in and help the diaphragm come back up to its resting posture. So it's knowing when you need to use them. Mm. And Pilates is great for teaching that if it's taught well, because they'll teach that horizontal breathing. So they teach a lot of the, the, the they teach the biomechanics well is where 
the ribs will expand out, the back will expand, and then they'll do the candle out breath. There's a perfect example of where you can do a breathing practice, breathing out through the mouth. That's not bad for you because intentionally you're using your diaphragm to bring the breath out through the mouth. But we don't, that's not everyday breathing. Mm. That is a breathing practice. Just as Wim Hof isn't everyday breathing, it's a breathing practice. Yes. It's, it's knowing what you're doing when you're doing a breathing practice. Yeah. No, lovely. Thank you. That, 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 that actually helps a lot. And again, it's this thing, there's no absolutes, is there, in any of this? It's all no. about balance and, and what's the right thing for the, for the right occasion. Yeah. Um, intercostal muscles then. So the ribs, the, the, the meat in between the ribs. This is, a, again, a fairly new concept to me. Um, a, 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 and this piece around uh, breathing with your back. I hadn't heard that before this year when we started working together. Um, and if you're not that conscious of your body, you may have never even noticed it, but uh, now that I am aware of it, it's like, oh, okay, you know, if I'm doing a bit of a stretch like this and I can start to feel this stretch out and I can feel the lungs fill up and I've started to realize that these intercostal muscles have, have really not been used as much as probably they should have done. Um, any, any advice when it comes to really getting that rib cage? Because that piece you say around the rib cage is like this and it should all be moving. It shouldn't be rigid. Any, any advice for people on how they can kind of just get a little bit of movement going there? So there's some, I use a lot of, I'm not a Qigong coach, but I use a lot of nice, smooth Qigong movements and just things like uh, floating the arms up, and you just heard my shoulders crack and my, <laughs> my um, uh, collarbone crack and bringing the arms down. So that's, I'm sitting. But if you do that from a standing point of view and just get your feet nice and connected to the ground and literally, yeah. and straight away, you're breathing into the, the side of the body, you're breathing into the back of the body. So as you're raising your arms up, you're breathing down. And as you bring your arms down, you're breathing up. And if you think about what then is going on in the rib cage, is the rib cage is expanding. So the, we need elasticity in the rib cage. The rib cage is designed to expand and contract. The stomach isn't designed to expand and contract as we breathe. It's the rib cage that is designed to expand and contract. And also, if you think of the back of the body, so the ribs, how the rib cage, I'm turning away so you can't hear me, but how the ribs are attached to the back of the spine, when you raise your arms up, another nice Qigong one is just raising the arms up like this. It's almost like the ribs are, it's like a bucket handle on the spine. Mm. So we want to get movement, we want to get space in this rib cage to allow the diaphragm to, to, to move, to allow the breath to move. And this is another point about, oh, I'm a diaphragmatic breather, I'm a chest breather. We don't want to restrict breathing up here because air needs to go in here. If you get tightness here, you don't get any elasticity in the rib cage. And if you're running, you want elasticity in the rib cage because it's the elasticity in the rib cage that helps, like bow and arrow, that helps spring you forwards. If this is all locked, and I'm breathing down here, and I've got good posture, you're just, you're just completely locked up. So I would do, so I, I like the word pandiculation because that is just like our animal stretch. And it's, it's like, what, in the morning, it's like, there I go, nice stretch, good stretch. You might get a few cracks rather than, I'll just hoik my hip out of my leg or I'll stretch my arms around the back of my body. Just nice, easy, reaching up. We do very little reaching up there because mm. everything is so convenient here mm. for us hanging is very good uh, and not just literally letting go and hanging because the body will go into survival but keeping on the ground and hanging and then you can gently pull yourself up and gently pull yourself up and you can breathe into the side of the ribs there and breathe into the side of the ribs there so that type of movement is going to be much more beneficial than yes yeah tightening everything up yeah again it's, it's so counterintuitive to like sort of last 20 years of my uh my fitness regimes of no i just need to lift the heaviest you know, obviously so ridiculous to say out loud but i just need to lift those heavy weights and i need to do deadlifts and, you know all these things um because even when we were talking a few months ago and it's like you know let's let's just do i'm like yeah but it's a bit fluffy isn't it and, and now after months of me 
thinking about it, researching it, talking to people like you, practicing it. One of my favorite things in the morning now is, is doing some twists on this chair yeah. and just lifting this up and just feeling those muscles. And go, oh, I'm so not used to this experience of this opening up here. I actually crave it now. Oh, that's just lovely. And that piece around the arms going up. And you're so right. How often are we? Have we got our arms straight in the air? It's, it just yeah. doesn't happen these days, does it? It's interesting about the hang, though. I hadn't thought about that because when I hang off things, I am dangling. And actually, I do enjoy it when my feet are touching something because actually I can go yeah. a little bit longer. So I, I thank you. That's a, that's a really good tip. Um, it's the thought of stretching again is stre- coaching cues. Stretching can completely mean different things to different people. If we stretch beyond where our muscle or the length of that muscle chain is com, com, uh, comfortable and going, mm. the body goes into fight or flight and it goes, I don't want you to break that joint. So it actually contracts. So if you just hang, your body will contract to hold mm. yourself there. But if you hang and then let yourself go a little bit, your body's confident that you're not going to hoik your elbow out of your arm socket or your arm socket out of your, or of your shoulder. So that smooth, easy movement where you reach and hang is going to be much more beneficial than just pulling on your body. Yeah, no, they're wonderful. The other point you made just quickly about mm-hmm. the rib cage as well is we have to remember that we're different for each side, so we're not symmetrical in the rib cage. So you, a lot of people tend to find that they, they breathe into the right side much less than they breathe into the left side. And they use the right diaphragm or the right side of the diaphragm maybe doesn't work as efficiently as the left side of the diaphragm because you've got all your liver and everything on the right side and you've got the heart obviously placed slightly to the left. So it's quite, it's quite odd that we're not symmetrical in, yeah. in the rib cage, particularly because it's such a heavy part of the body. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it like that. Yeah, because all the stuff inside is uh, all over the place, isn't it? Yeah. Should have the heart in the middle, the stomach, the, the yeah. liver down there. It's weird, isn't it? Whether whether we will in in thousands, if we're here in thousands. Of years. <laughs> um, so this candle breath, then that's a good way of using the diaphragm a bit, is it? So if you if you're doing the, because I can feel yeah. a, a tension, kind of yeah. here. You're just, you're just it, pulling uh, in your upper abdominals. You can do that. Mm. So ujjayi breath in, in, I don't teach yoga, but ujjayi breath in yoga, Mm. humming on the out breath. Mm. Singers use that. They bring the diaphragm back up Mm. because we want to, in a resting posture, when you're practicing your breathe light, it's almost, it's just the air pressure that's expanding and contracting uh, just about the, 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 the lungs and breathing. But obviously, when we start to exercise and when we start to go to more intense exercise, we want to actually help with the out breath. Mm. So imagine throwing a punch. You would pull in and help with the out breath, blow that out breath out. Yeah. So if, if, you're doing, if you're doing a power move, you're not going to be easy nasal breathing with a relaxed out breath. You can't. You can't do it. Yeah, the power of the breath and how it's all synced up. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's ridiculously interesting, isn't it? Um, last couple of questions for you, Gray, then. So um, what one bit of advice would you give people that could help dramatically improve their health? I think... Or bits of advice. I think, that, well, there's two, two things. Is Firstly, close your mouth as much as possible and breathe through the nose. I think that's the first point. And then move comfortably. So it doesn't mean you've got to do loads of running, but movement will create CO2 and you want to get CO2 levels and oxygen levels balanced. If you're not moving, then you're you're not necessarily increasing your CO2. And if you're over breathing a little bit, so close your mouth and, and, and move comfortably as much as possible as a very, very foundation. And then that's what you build on. Lovely. No, thank you. Great advice. Um, and is there anything we haven't covered you wanted to, to cover off? Um, I don't think so. Wonderful. No, I, think, I think we've covered everything, really. Yeah, great. Well, hopefully we'll leave something for another one in the near future yes. so we can do this again. Um, wonderful. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you, book with you, all that sort of stuff? My website is adventuresinmovement.com 
if you look on Facebook, Adventures in Movement, if you, if you search for that. Twitter and Instagram is Grey Cause, which is G-R-A-Y-C-A-W-S. Wonderful. Thank you. And I'll pop that in the, in the description below so people can just easily click on the link. Okay, great. Thank you so much uh, for, for, for being a guest on here. I'm so glad we got to do this after many, many hours of you and I and, and the wonderful coaching you've been giving me. It's wonderful to, to, to get another lesson, another coaching lesson and a one-on-one <laughs> with you. So I'm very, very grateful. Um, guys, thank you so much for watching. I hope you enjoyed the, the breathcast. Uh, please leave your comments below. Please like, subscribe and share. If you think this might benefit somebody in your friendship group or your family, give them the link as well because it's obviously some really great information and that, that can help people improve their their lives um and uh, we look forward to seeing you on the next breathcast and uh, breathing video so thanks everyone for watching thanks again gray and uh, we'll see you all in the next video cheers thank you and thank you for asking me to join you i loved it thanks mike cheers mm-hmm.